Woo-wee, ladies and folks. An absolute doozy of a podcast, as you see here. It's a, it's a marathon. Getting close to an hour, 40 minutes. They are expanding. Uh, this week, we're once again joined by my roommate, the lovely Ethan Myers. Roommate, musical producer, sketch actor. He does it all. Uh, it's another history. I promise not all these segments I do with Ethan are going to be history. I'm going to try and change it up next week. But this time, we are talking about a human invention, a massive discovery uh, that you guys all probably use today, using it daily, if, uh, if you're not good with directions. We're talking about the founding of Longitude. Very exciting. Talking about John Harrison and his uh, marine clocks. He, de- he designed a very fun and interesting story. Before that, we have a long intro uh, talking about uh, a Walmart dream I had with Ethan. We talk about COVID farts. We talk about the Queen. It's a uh, it's a jam packed episode. And at the end of it, we do uh, talk about some of the changes coming to the YouTube channel that you may have already noticed on the channel uh, that came out on Wednesday. So, hope you guys enjoy this podcast, and uh, I hope you're ready to learn as well as air out. Enjoy, folks. <laughs> Stuff on your mind, you're feeling unclear. Just hop on the mic and speak without fear. Let's air out. And now I should be able to sync to my video. Yeah, and you should be able to sync all the audio tracks to that too. Money. That's it. Oh, I gotta put my headphones on. Oh yeah, you can't let anybody know that you're not wearing this. I mean, you guys heard me on the last podcast when I tried to talk with that little delay. I did that little edit thing. Yeah, and I was talking like that it's, was so, it's impossible. Miserable to listen. It's awful. Yeah, it's miserable to record it. Yeah, because I couldn't was... control it. it oh just happened. really? It just happened. It was like a like a half second delay yeah. of my voice coming through, and it just my brain completely shut off. No, it's very difficult to do that. Yeah. yeah, it's a skill like news anchors have that right because they have to be able to wear earpieces and have people talking to them while they're delivering pieces of information. Yeah, that's like such a such a difficult skill I think to develop. Yeah, I can't believe that. Have to be it's a lot of practice. We could turn that on. Do you want to? I know you don't got them in, but uh, I could I could hear both of us coming back through the computer right now if we want that experience. Like I'll hear both what you're saying and what I'm saying you, played back. So, in. I mean, if you want to go through that yourself, sure. I don't want to. No, I don't. I'm down to do it for some content, but I don't think I I wouldn't enjoy try it. Try it. Just try it on. For okay. A second. Yeah. Sure. Let's do that. I think I got to go in. Yeah. I can hear me, and I should be able to hear you. Okay. I'm a little more used to this though. Ooh, just give me a give me a Ooh, give me a like a, a paragraph story. Oh, about, a paragraph. Yeah. You think I just got yeah, a walk paragraph? Me through your day. Walk me through your day. Hold on, I can't hear you because. <laughs> what did you what did you want walk me through your day walk me through your okay uh i woke up i decided i would do my shower later and prepped for a meeting that i had at 10 o'clock which was like a large-scale meeting on a project that's been going on for months yeah and had a good meeting uh, i spent a bit of time uh like relaxing and prepping for another meeting that happened at noon and then another meeting at one so it's just been meeting 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 uh, and after that lab meeting, I did some work stuff uh, and did some losers on drugs marketplace shopping and some Reddit reviews for that small YouTube channel oh, yeah. subreddit. And uh, then we did yoga and now we're here. Very cool. Very cool. And with that, folks, welcome to episode 27 of Air and Air Out.
joined once again by my roommate and I'm musical producer Ethan Myers. I can't, this is not Honestly, pleasurable. wasn't the content I was hoping for. I thought you'd uh, stumble through it. I and, can't uh, believe how well I, you did, I yeah. did that. Yeah, you just it disrupts through. your thinking a bit for sure. I'm, I am just pretty used to it. You want to yeah. restart the intro? Oh no, no. I'm just gonna the, roll uh, with it. Huh? Yeah, I like the natural. Sure. Just started. Just started. I'm gonna record a separate intro too before the music plays. Just like kind of describing like what that. the podcast. Yeah, I like, that. I like that. I did that last week. And I think that's a good good idea. I think it's a great idea. So I did uh I did this week write down some uh some topics that I want to talk about before we get into the main thing. Just like some notes from my phone. Oh, little chit chat topics. The okay. problem is I didn't I don't know how to, like get into them naturally. I don't know like <laughs> the intro part. So I got topics for the intro, but I don't know how to like just segue right into it. So uh, on that note, let's just. I'll just start. Yeah, that uh, works. First, with like a correction I want to make for last week. Oh, very important. Last week, I talked about, uh, you know, it was six months in. We mm-hmm. hit a milestone of 1,000 plays. Yes. However, if you listen to my math on that podcast, 888 plus 16 does not equal 1,000. I was wondering when does I heard not, that. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't quite get the 1,000. I didn't catch that on the edit either. Yeah. I didn't catch it until three days later when I was looking at my podcast stats, and I hit 900. I was like, wait a second. Yeah, that's, that's not, not, that's that's not, not 1,000. No. That's not 1,000. Yeah. So I'm still uh, shy by about a hundred listens i um are you should you be correcting the record on anything because i feel like if you decide to start correcting the record on things we're, now we're gonna have to go back through the podcast and do some fine tooth coming about some misinformation uh only math okay only math yeah I, that's good math, i like that if you can do it on a calculator then i'll correct it okay yeah but anything else is un- uncorrectable it's subjective yeah there's nothing else yeah, objective it's, it's other than art. what's on a calculator purely yeah art. okay yeah. I, that works for me i think that's a like a consistent and coherent policy um so now See, I don't know the, the order. I got I got work stories, but not from Log Laws. I got like older work stories. We got old work stories. Like two stories I thought of that I've been thinking of um, from uh, RJ Burnside. Okay. One of them kind of pertains to this podcast and uh, everything since September. Okay. That was just kind of a fun fun little story. Um, so we could do that. Or I listened to a Mr. Beast podcast with Joe Rogan yesterday. That gave me some ideas about my YouTube channel. That is going to cause some changes. Um, do you have outdoor topics? Do I have outdoor topics? Yeah. Going outside? <laughs> topics for the outro outro topics uh no oh, <laughs> i like how you not. said that i'm like of no, course no I'm right. obviously wouldn't like I it's wrote, not like we have I topics so much now. effort into these four i mean i had to cut out some topics too i was yeah, gonna talk true. about a dream i had at walmart that you were in oh and i was yeah. like that's we can't maybe we can throw that in the outro i kind of want to hear that but, now uh, honestly the only stuff you listen sound interesting but i feel like i'm you i'm personally involved in the dream so i, I kind of okay i uh i'm going this is purely off my head now because this dream happened two weeks ago at this point oh wow yeah okay um so the dream case we're in this house but it wasn't this house um so it was like uh first of all the layoff out the house was kind of like a, a charlie and the chocolate factory kind of style which is like one big open room and then we had like a bunch of beds and like couches all around the room party time i like it. uh and it was you and me and uh there's this girl there i don't know who the girl was i don't she doesn't play a big role in the story but she was there in the <laughs> cool. room yeah just uh, out. and they were doing construction outside as they as they, as are, they do. normally are yeah. and uh one of the construction guys uh was this guy I worked with that innisville uh i don't know if i should say his name uh, his nickname was bm okay we'll that works bm yeah bm or the b is big go for big we'll call him big okay call him big. big so we've got this guy big so he's big. working construction he's working construction and uh you know we're kind of i kind of go and talk to him i chat with him in the truck nice. and uh we're like hey what are we guys up to what are you uh, what's how's the jobs and stuff going what are you doing and he's uh he said he's working for innisville still weirdly that they were doing the construction here yeah strange didn't, didn't question it though no um, you gotta let that roll but he's working he said he's working full-time for innisfil uh one day a week which not not full-time <laughs> not, not, how many hours in a day is he working <laughs> i wonder like an eight hour day full-time yeah, okay. eight hours full-time 
every every week. So he's looking he was looking for more work. Yeah, that's then, understandable. Yeah, and he's like, oh, so what? Uh, like, what are you up to? Like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm doing this whole like YouTube, you know, trying to chase my dreams. All Just this, flexing on all a little this stuff. Bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm making no money. I'm yeah. I'm planning to be homeless next year. You know, really, <laughs> you're working more, really than, want, yeah. more than eight hours a week. Yeah. and getting paid less than this man. So you're you're styling on him in that's some true. way. That's true. And then somehow or other, I guess, um, I guess they were like, he was sitting in the truck and they're waiting for the excavator to do stuff before he like. He was, he was like a shovel guy. Like okay. see him out there. He, they got to wait for the, the work to be done. So he's like, oh, why don't you come inside and uh, like come uh, hang out and do some stuff with us? What? We got this girl there. We don't know yeah, who she is. Yeah, we got this is. girl. Don't know who her name is. I honestly don't, couldn't even tell you what she looked like at this point. <laughs> she was just maybe like brown hair, some girl. I don't know. She's probably, because your brain can't make up new faces, right? So I'm it, not sure, it has yeah. to be, I think that's the thing. Like all people you see in your dreams are like people you've seen before. Oh, yeah. Your brain can't like, isn't good at creating, like you can't make a new color and shit. Right. Um, but that's irrelevant. So yeah, he comes into the house. Then uh, I guess we're hanging out or something. I get into my bed and I sleep naked. So I was I got naked to get, get into my bed. In the living room. In the area. living room, I get naked and get into my bed to watch TV with you guys. That's I want to be normal, comfortable. though. I assume that's got to be normal yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah, it was normal. But the, the weird part was I got uncomfortable when Matt followed suit and he took his clothes off and got into my bed. <laughs> and I was like... I was like, "Hey, man! Like, uh, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. I don't really like. I get naked in my bed. You, yeah. if you're, if this was your bed, I'd be cool with it. You can get naked, but like, I'm not really comfortable. Of you, you could just like keep your clothes on and watch, watch. Yeah, TV you're here. not gonna get naked and go into yeah. his bed if he had a bed here. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I ended up getting dressed and like I got uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, let's go, let's go do something else. All the, all the four of us go do something else. Right. So we uh, decided to walk down the street where there is this. Uh, it's like a convenience store. It's like a convenience antique store." uh that was next door to our house and we walked and went into it and uh there's no one in there it's like the lights are off it's yeah. pitch black uh so we're just kind of like wandering around, like what is going on in the store and i'm looking at this one shelf the only th the only products i remember in the shelf they're like uh gatorade bottles okay uh like with the plastic wrap uh the label taken off there's empty used gator oh. bottles uh filled with fresh fruit uh just sitting on the shelf not refrigerated uh just sitting on the shelf i'm looking at this like i don't know what the what, what the purpose of this would be you know yeah. i don't know why you'd want to buy fruit in this manner no. it's not a really uh like a quantity wise <laughs> no. even the transportation use i don't know how you get the fruit out of it no i don't get that so either. i'm looking at that and like we're questioning like where like where are the owners and stuff like is there anyone here yeah. and at this moment i remember turning around and seeing like a door open to the back and there's this old man with a shopping cart and he's standing is in a walmart what? And I was like, what is going on here? And then they're like, oh, yeah, the Walmart is next door to this antique store. That's probably why they're not open because, like, the Walmart's taking all their business. Right. They so why don't we antiques. go, let's go hang out at the Walmart. That's probably way better. Yeah. This dumb Gatorade fruit <laughs> fruit. fruit stuff. Yep. That's not doing it for me. No, that's not my scene. So personally. we all go to the Walmart. Um, and I think I had decided that we should all wear high-vis safety vests because if you wear that, you can get away with anything. That seems just, that logic checks yeah. out. Yeah. And like we can go okay. to this Walmart and now we're free reign. We yeah, can do whatever okay. we want. Yeah. So we're walking around this Walmart. I think we're looking for Pringles. I think that's what I was like, I had a hankering for Pringles. And I'm like, let's go, let's find some Pringles. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so as we're walking around, uh, this old lady comes up to me and she's like, Excuse me, sir, you must work here. Because I was wearing the, the high vis safety vest. Of course, vest. yeah. So she's obviously, she thinks I work there, in which I am the Walmart expert. I worked at Walmart, if you guys don't know. You do. I so know my way around a Walmart. There. Yeah. She goes, hey, could you help me find, I wish I remember what the exact product was. It was like a uh, toothbrushes or something. Okay. She's like, can you help me find a toothbrush? I'm like, uh, yeah, no problem. That's super easy. I can find a toothbrush. You guys are like, I'm like, guys, just follow along with me. I'll, we'll find the toothbrushes real quick. Then we'll get the Pringles. No problem. No problem. Uh, so we're walking around Walmart. 
We cannot find toothbrushes anywhere. Whoa! Anywhere. That's not a good look for you as yeah. an employee. We're checking huh? every aisle and like maybe check with, like it should be like a shampoo and stuff like that, like all the health and beauty stuff. It's not yeah. there. Check with like the t-shirts, maybe stuff in there, and it's not there. Checking the food aisle, it's not there. Ridiculous. We work, yeah, we work around this entire entire Walmart, can't find it. And I'm like, okay, you know what, guys? You distract her. I'm gonna go ask an actual employee where the toothbrushes are, <laughs> then come back with that information, Distract. and then and then I and then I can get like the credit for still helping her. Oh yeah, even though like, I don't work there. No, <laughs> there's, but this, there's it's no social credit. credit. She's yeah. gonna remember you. Just remember that I helped her. Maybe she's a daughter. Exactly. Maybe you marry her. Eventually. Maybe she, her daughter was the woman in the house before. You never know. You're right. You never know. We're she she's not with us by the way at this point. She's gone. Oh, so it she is the disappeared. three of us. She has disappeared. She came to Walmart with us. She's gone, though, in the dream. She didn't want to wear a safety vest. My brain was like, you know what? This is a boys' trip. We're just going to forget <laughs> yeah, her. She's it, gone. You, you didn't even know who she was at any Didn't point know who she was. Yeah. She was. I mean, she was probably someone of significance from my life, but it's just at this point in the dream, she's a. So it's me, relevant. it's you, and it's big. And big. And, and we're big. all wearing these vests. We're wearing high vests. Walmart. You guys are now talking to this old lady distracting us. I sneak off to go find a Walmart employee. Perfect, yeah. And I'm like, okay, hey, where are the toothbrushes? <laughs> pretending to be a customer now. She goes, oh, they're in aisle 467B. <laughs> You're which, pretending to be a customer? Oh, yeah, because I didn't want to think if I'm a store employee asking for help from another employee, that's... <laughs> I'd lose credit there. So you are, yeah. I like how I'm I playing like, both sides here, customer yeah, no, you're, you're and employee. It. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you there. Please. Uh, the toothbrushes are in aisle 467B. <laughs> Terrible. They're running out of the Dewey Decimal System <laughs> for some reason in this Walmart. So I'm like, okay, sick. I come back to this old lady. I'm like, oh, you know what? I just remembered. Toothbrushes are in 467B. Yeah, how could so you forget? Really? We're just following the numbers, and we're like, okay, 620. 570, 468. I'm like, okay, should be right here. 420. Hold on a second. Wait. There's no 467B. There's, we look through all the numbers. We go all the way down to aisle one. No 467B. These wow. toothbrushes are very hard to find. Yeah, they're impossible. Uh, and now at this point, you and Big have now transformed into characters from Superstore. Uh, one, one of you turned into Marcus, and the other guy turned into, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brett. Brett. Brett's like an old Korean guy. Okay. Marcus is like this white guy. You know who Ike Barinholtz is? No, should he's, I? Uh, he's like he was on Mad TV. He's like a comedy actor. Okay. Mark, he was his brother, uh, and Mark is like he's like the dumb uh, like warehouse guy in the okay. show. So he, those two are now following me. I'm not. I don't even care that you have now transformed. Yeah, into no, them. no problem. Yeah, it doesn't even affect me. Yeah. And then uh, so Marcus goes, you know what? We're not finding this toothbrush. I've got a good idea. And he pulls out a gun. He's like, okay, everybody, <laughs> get on the ground. <laughs> I need you to load all your toothbrushes into this bag. And I don't even like. I'm ignoring what he's doing. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep looking for this aisle 467B. You guys do this thing behind me. So I'm walking around. Everyone's like on the ground. I'm totally ignoring the the whole the hostage situation, the hold up. I'm still walking around looking for this aisle. Uh, and then out of the, like the front door, SWAT teams start like busting in. They're yeah, coming in yeah, that's full guns blazing. Shame. They're ready to go. Yeah. And uh, I happen to like walk and bust this like warehouse door to like go to the back to guess like their loading dock or something. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out here. And like, kind of get out of this whole situation. I go out there, and now Marcus and Brett. <laughs> You're just gonna escape the hospital. Yeah, situation. but now Marcus and Brett are already out there, oh. loading up a truck. I guess they got the toothbrushes or something. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, what? So, they need a truck's they, worth of toothbrushes. They load up the truck, lady? which the yeah, the toothbrushes were for the old lady, but now we've taken all the toothbrushes. We couldn't find Pringles. them, and now we just took them all. We're supposed to get <laughs> yeah, Pringles. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they load up the truck, then the truck leaves. We don't get in the truck, I guess, what? you know. Who was driving It's the getaway truck? truck. I don't know. Maybe maybe you and Big. Wow. Maybe that's what that yeah. this whole time. Yeah, we're I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so then they're like, okay, we got to run away and go up the staircase. So they, like, run up these staircases and, like, get pretty far away from me. I'm, like, slowly trailing behind them. 
and I get to like, I go up the stairs and there's at this point where it's like, it's like a concrete landing and then steel stairs going up over top of me. Uh -huh. uh, but like, to, there's no way to get onto these stairs. <laughs> so I, I like have to like shimmy under the bottom step yeah. and like crawl to like get around it. Wow, good for you. So I like, I crawl under the step and then I get stuck between <laughs> like the concrete floor and the, the steel steps and I'm like, completely immobilized like a kid in a chimney honestly just i cannot move i'm frozen in space i'm like shouting for the guys like hey guys help i'm stuck i'm stuck please help me i'm in like the now my it's like a bottom of a warehouse basement where i'm like no one's gonna come down here we've now traveled multiple floors underground somehow yeah and I'm trapped in this coffin. How are coffin. you still trapped? We've traveled multiple <laughs> floors and you kept yourself locked in like am, a steel cage. I am trapped in a steel cage in a coffin. And I look upstairs and I see uh, I see Brett come up the top stairs. He looks down the stairs, gives me like a dirty look and flashes a gun and starts walking down the stairs at me. And I got scared and woke up. What? <laughs> and that was the dream. Did, he, did they turn on you? Is that what happened? I don't know. It was, it was, I woke up like heart racing. I was really scared at the yeah, end. Yeah, holy cow. And I was like, I was frozen and, and stuck. And I was like, this sucks. Being stuck sucks. <laughs> What a crazy dream. Yeah. Wow. I hope that lady got her toothbrush. It sounds like you stole them all. We took all of them. Took yeah. all of them. And, and then they betrayed they me. They turned yeah. on me. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> this is what you dream about? Yeah, I've had a lot of like very, very obscure dreams like that where I don't know. There's some meaning to it. I try and jot them down, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I, don't, I, I don't dream anywhere near to that extent. That sounds exciting and adventurous. Like what a way to spend your time sleeping. Oh, it's great. Thinking it's great. Like Honestly, waking up sucks sometimes. You're like, oh man, that was way better than real life. Yeah, I was like trapped was, in yeah. cement and steel stairs and this dude was coming down the stairs with a gun. Yeah, to kill me. And then yeah. I woke up. Yeah. What a blast. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, that's good times. It's good times. Um, So now from there, we can hop to one of these other topics. Yeah, right? what's the most natural topic that we can transition um, to after hearing about your dream? Yeah, we could talk about COVID. Very briefly. <laughs> yeah, that, absolutely. What a natural, natural transition, transition right? in my mind. Yeah. Um, this is not a... I, I see on like a, like the Google News Feed, whatever. You go to Google and like has all these news stories that are like related to you or something sure. on your phone. Uh, and I always see this like uh, Waterloo uh, wastewater has like traced like there's a COVID like increase in numbers in the wastewater. Right. So yeah. I see that and like I guess they're like tracking COVID in the poop, mm -hmm. which maybe like start thinking... If COVID's in poop, does that mean COVID is in farts? Have we been spreading COVID through our butts the entire pandemic? I don't think anyone's thought about this yet. Our our best people were supposed to be on this, and, and they might have missed. Australia was on it. I looked, I looked it up today. Was Australia wow. was on it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. First off, because uh, I want to be a little prepared for this. The first, I was just going to talk about COVID farts and my own theory. Sounds like, you know what? Someone could fact check me on this, so I'm going to do the fact checking first. Good call. Yeah, because we care a lot about um, accuracy of information here. So they did do a study in uh, 1993, first of all, about the size of farts. Do you want to guess the volume of the biggest fart they had? It's in milliliters. Uh, I can't even begin. Like, um, uh, uh, 10.7. 375. What the heck? That's like a can of soda, that right? That is a lot. That's the biggest that's... fart they tracked in Jeez. that study. Yeah. Huge farts. We can have huge farts. I can't imagine. So this guy, this Australian doctor, I think it's Dr. Swan or something. He like posed the question very early in COVID. Good for him. Like, hey, uh, it's, it, we found it in fecal matter. So that mean, is it in farts? Yeah. Uh, and yes, it is in farts. Wow. COVID is in farts. There's this untracked uh, vector that we've not been noticing. Now, their defense is that our pants and underwear are like, masking it yeah we're and, wearing like, butt masks. if you uh if you like bare butt fart you could spread COVID more Holy. factorly but i mean i thought 
the, when they said mask, like N95 was like the safest mask to have. Right. And that cloth mask weren't good. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that kind of throws a wrench in their plan. If we've been spreading it from the, the bare bottom and our pants the whole time, maybe that's why numbers, we've been having this COVID for so long, the masks weren't working because we had a second second exit point. Yeah, I think maybe this this Australian guy is to blame for some of the like outbreaks that happened. Maybe he inspired some some like COVID terrorists. Yeah. To just go around farting on people. Yeah, but farting. Yeah, yeah. And just spreading it. We should have had government issued butt plugs, uh, in addition to the masks, in all stores. <laughs> butt plug mandates. <laughs> so you can you can spread it okay with with your mouth. Mm-hmm. You can spread it going out, and you can catch it going in. Yep. Do you think the same is true with your butt? You can spread it going out. If someone farts in your butt. If what if you some, you're sitting on a, on a bus? Yeah. You you toot a little bit. Yeah. Next person comes along, they sit right on your seat. Your seat is sitting there lingering with your butt fart on it. Can they just absorb it through their butt? Get COVID that way? I would say with a hundred percent certainty they now have COVID. Wow. One hundred percent. Wow. That's, I wasn't expecting something that certain, and I I believe you. I mean, based on this first study, three hundred seventy-five milliliters. They essentially sat on a Coke can of COVID. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, that, you're not you're not you're not surviving that. And like uh, stuff in your butt absorbs faster. It does. Like alcohol in that, so you yeah. probably get COVID way quicker. You're right. Which yeah. honestly, since I want to get COVID, I should just let people start farting on me. You should just go on the buses naked, yeah. a whole bunch until you get it. That's true. Yeah. That's it. Jail might be a good place to get it too. Oh yeah. 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 Just, just constantly dropping soap in front of people. Well, no, that's no matter where I am. It's not, it's not quite what I was imagining, but you're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, so that's super interesting. People, if, uh, I mean, the mask bands are going away, uh, it sounds like in a month, but uh, think about your butts. Yeah, maybe keep your butt masks on, people. Maybe get a butt plug for the next couple of weeks. Uh, just if you really want to, if you're really committed to this COVID safety thing, you should be wearing a butt plug or you're doing a disservice to the rest of us. Yeah, almost like, I guess what they say, masks, it, it just pre- it, uh, prevents you from spreading it to others as easily. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to mm-hmm. prevent you taking it in. Mm-hmm. Butt plugs sound like a pretty good solution to prevent you from taking it in. I think the government should have mandated it. They, they should have checked effective. people when they're lining up for the LCBO. Drop yeah. your pants, show us your mask, show us your butt plug. <laughs> or maybe like a de- metal detector. Any seat, anytime there's got, someone's got to sit down, we've got to be able to We've got to check it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you going to leave your, your COVID farts all over this or not? Yeah, that's good. That's good public health measures. I should have been in charge, honestly. Next outbreak, I'm I'm running for charge. Yeah, you think? <laughs> Is that a position? Uh, you, uh, uh, if we live in a democracy, president. I'm sure you could run on anything you wanted to and see if people would vote you into something. Like, what do you think the country is founded on? It's got to be that idea. That's true. Yeah. You can just think a democratic vote about anything you want, I guess. I mean, in yeah. some circumstances. I can just invent yeah. positions I want. Yeah. Could I invent a position higher than prime minister in Canada and then run for that? And then if I get it, the government can't do anything for me. Yeah, I mean, you, I guess you'd kind of have to get recognition from the government, probably. That might be the tougher part. Mm, so I'd have to kind of trick them into making them think it's not a big position, but then there's like a loophole in the fine print. Yeah, hey, yeah, guess yeah. what? Now I'm actually king. Yeah, exactly. I got yeah. it. See you guys. <laughs> Britain might have something to say about that, too. Uh, so, okay, so I have to run a second election well, over there. Why the queen, dude? That's true. She's going to kick it soon, too. Did, is that how the... Does the crown then fall to me, the husband? It, uh, wow. Uh, good question. I assume it would. Yes. Did her husband, that old guy, die yet? Um, isn't it Prince Andrew? It's Prince. I thought Prince Andrew was the ginger guy. That's Harry. That's Harry. Yeah, yeah we're getting into territory that I have no knowledge. Who's the? Oh, William and Harry are the kids, and Andrew. He he looks bad though. He, he, no, no, Andrew's. He's the pedophile guy, wasn't he? Yeah. I don't think he was the husband. Well, though. alleged. I should say alleged. 
Uh, true. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know who she's who she was married there's, to. There's there's a really old guy they always talk about, Prince uh, something. Okay, I believe you. Which actually, no, he wouldn't be a prince though. Her uh, her husband I, I, would be a prince. There's some weird titles that I think he, he might actually retain a princeship. Mm. I, I don't fully know this. Well, because it would have to be that Prince Andrew is her younger brother, right? That from a traditional model, that's what we would think. Oh yeah. And I don't know if he is. Maybe he is. We're, we're, I'm, I have no idea. That's a smart... They were really smart. They're like, to hold that nobility still. Like, hey, our families were rich a long time ago, so we're still in charge. That's... I can't believe they put up with it over there. I mean, she had to live with the collapse of the empire, right? That's like, true. Uh, a lot of empires collapsing at the end of World War One or around that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, the British monarchy certainly lost its power over those years. But it was especially, like, in her reign did she, like, transition that role into, like, a totally symbolic monarch. Which has got to be a weird feeling, because your family's been leading that country that nation for a long time that bloodline yeah and uh you're still sitting at, on the throne and you've given up most of your powers yeah but she's still got everyone to call her queen and they still got those monikers of prince and stuff like we still follow it even though it's all gibberish yeah which i want to start calling myself some kind of cool name like that you got the trash man i do i do is that not just as cool is that not cool the tm yeah i mean though like there's a bunch of other trash mans in history it seems <laughs> it's, a lot it's, of it's not a unique uh Unique moniker. That's fair. How many kings have there been, though? A ton. If you think about yeah. thousands of years. That's true. That's true. And like every every civilization just had their own term for it. Pharaoh. Oh yeah. Egypt. So. Is it the czar? Yeah. Okay. That would be some sort of yeah Russian. The Fuhrer. <laughs> um. I actually don't know how that term translates. I won't just agree with that. No, you gotta sign off of it. Okay. Yeah. No, that's you a checkmark. This is uh, this is like an improv podcast. It's yes and. You can't say no. <laughs> yeah, okay, perfect. You just have to agree with whatever I say. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm glad I signed up for that. On that note, um, I don't know how else I could uh, translate into any... We could save these other two things. For the outro. For the for the outro, because I feel like we've done a good amount of time right now already. I think you're right. And uh, I kinda I, want, my face has been covered this entire camera session. You didn't, <laughs> I don't even know if the camera is worth it. You, don't, you can't even really see me. I, oh, you're right. Like the, you you see my... my you can, I'm, not even, cause I'm not even looking. You just see me looking at you... So we might even just turn off the camera, honestly. It could be a good. I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even clean my room for this. So you're just showing like my messy wall. Yeah, maybe we just, uh, let's put a kaputz on like the camera. I gotta figure out this whole. No one's watching the video, anyways. And I'll see the video. It's like a whole other editing thing. Yeah. I like put up pictures and stuff of what I'm talking about in the long part. Right. And then if I edit in music and stuff, I gotta like didn't do that in the video. Right. So it's just a lot of extra work I don't want to do right now. It seems weird to do them as totally separate entities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would be like editing one at the same time. But yeah. editing them at the same time would be the way to do it. Yeah. No, we can get out of this intro. It's been like 25 minutes, I think. No shit. This might be a long podcast because we haven't even gotten into the five <laughs> pages of history I wrote down. This is going to be like a, uh, a two-hour podcast. It's going to be telling for the listener at that point to hear that that phrase and determine whether the response is oh yeah i mean honestly you can get out right now we're gonna play a musical (laughs) interlude now would be a great time to hop off the ship if they stuck around this long they're they're sticking around everyone's listened to the full podcast that has listened so far yeah the average retention time is like over an hour on every podcast so all real ones you guys yeah you guys are the real ones and our one russian fan that just joined us last week welcome this is what we do here we spread facts So, with that, uh, yeah, let's get out of here. Let's get into the, the information section. And we're back, folks, for what you've been long waiting for, the uh, the information section of this podcast. You come here to learn. 
Ethan, you came here to learn. I too. came here to learn. I don't even know what it is that we're going to nope, be talking no about. No one knows but me and my dad. Oh, wait a second. Because he, he gave me the book and I already told him I was going to talk about it. Oh, fair. Okay, okay. So last week or two weeks ago, we talked about the dark history of uh, chimney sweeps. We did. We did, uh, unfortunately. We are going back to the same time uh, time period okay. as then. So as I'm going to tell you all this, remember that children are dying in I'm chimneys. Not, I'm going to keep that out of my mind. The entire the entire time, I'm, children are dying in chimneys. I'm going to try this. not to remember But uh, I wanted to find a more lighthearted uh, story yeah. it's about like a human ingenuity oh, and discovery. Sweet. It's a, a very big discovery that we use every single day in uh, two different ways. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm in. So I'm not good at segues. I'm really not good at segues. Um, the book is called Longitude, and this is about the discovery of longitude. Oh. Are you familiar with longitude? Um, on a scale of one to ten. Mm-hmm. Where one is I have no knowledge of longitude, and, yep. and ten is I am longitude. Right. Um, probably like a three. Okay. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, so I, I know a little bit about it, but I, I really don't know that much. So you don't know about the, the immense struggles they went through with discovering how to track longitude? Not really. This is like, this is the precursor to uh, GPS systems we use today. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because all tracks, tracks our latitude and longitude. So... This is all from a book by Dava Sobel that my dad gave me called Longitude. A uh, very interesting book. If you uh, hear stuff in this, pretty much all the information I've taken uh, from this and then like from Wikipedia pages that I just tried to reinterpret since I didn't want to read the book a second time today. Um, so, <laughs> determining longitude on land was incredibly easy uh, because on land you're in a stable, a stable environment, you're sheltered, you can do repeat uh, tests multiple times to see what your longitude is. Let's take. A, can we take a quick step back? Yeah. What is longitude? Uh, okay, so the Earth, uh, we've divided. If you see on a globe, there's all those vertical lines and horizontal lines. Yes. Uh, so the lines that go horizontally are the latitude lines. Okay. Uh, so they determine your, your, I guess, your vertical position from between the North and South Pole. Okay. Uh, on the planet, uh, the equator is zero. Uh, and then longitude are the other lines. They're the vertical lines, and they determine your east and west. Uh, position on the on the globe okay if the equator is a zero yeah for latitude yeah what is the equivalent for longitude uh so longitude is kind of a uh it uh, in history it, it hops around it all depended on where you come you were coming from <laughs> perfect uh so like the maps you're making you would always set your own longitude because it doesn't really matter I see. uh like lat latitude matters because there's only one like center point whereas like the north pole wouldn't make sense to have zero or the south pole you want it to be like even on both sides right whereas longitude it doesn't matter as long as you're using the same point for all your calculations okay uh so like i mean I put the very last sentence in this kind of goes over the longitude point but it's uh it's in greenwich now the prime meridian as we call it is zero right so uh, the where the time zone is zero yes where time all stands the gmt greenwich mean time right so what we all base our time off of so that's considered now to be kind of zero longitude that is yeah that's the universally accepted it's, right it's as... the equivalent of the equator for longitude exactly great that's correct thank that you okay correct. richard please return to telling me about longitude yeah so long longitude on land uh really easy to do uh they could easily like uh the main method of calculating it is based on clocks and time Okay. That's where the time zones come from, based on your east and west position. However, the great difficulty came with uh, determining longitude at sea, because you don't have that uh, that finite place or that stable location no kidding. Uh, to calculate your longitude from. Yeah, that sounds difficult. Uh, latitude, on the other hand, uh, very easily determined. Uh, it's just based on the position of the sun and how long the days are and the declination of the sun. 
uh, because the higher up you are, the sun's going to change its angles, lower down, change as well. Uh, so you can just record all the positions of the sun, know where you're going. Right. And that's not an option for longitude. No, it is not. Because longitude is always changing because you're moving and also the earth is rotating. Pesky. Uh, so I think longitude changes 15 degrees every hour. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Uh, so the sailors had to rely on dead reckoning to determine longitude, uh, which dead reckoning just means they're guessing uh, based on the speed they're traveling and how far they think they've been traveling for, how many hours they think it's been. Mm -hmm. They don't really know. Love it. Uh, or if they're in sight of land, they can use a coastal navigation to triangulate their position. So they look at a couple of different spots, measure how long it takes to get there, and then figure out where they are. Right. Uh, however, if you're in the middle of the sea, or it's like a stormy or foggy weather and you can't see anything, you essentially have, you're blind. Yeah, you, you have no, no idea where you are. Which, the balls on these, like our, our ancestors, is crazy to get on a boat and just sail to try and go across the ocean in just a rickety old boat. Like, uh, come on. That's a sense insane. of adventure, that's for sure. That is, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so the problem with uh, not knowing longitude is it ended up with uh, a lot of casualties and a lot of crashes because they would very frequently crash into where they're going. <laughs> <laughs> they just had no idea of how close they were. So you, you're in a foggy storm. You don't know what's going on. You think you're maybe 30 miles away from the coast. Right. And then, bam, you hit the coast. You're right you're there. Done. You've arrived at least. Uh, so a very famous uh, crash that happened was uh, under the command of Admiral Sir Cloudsley Shovel. <laughs> what kind of name is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Admiral Sir Cloudsley Shovel. Actually, was it Shovel or Shovel? Mr. Uh, Shovel. Go Google might have... Uh, I, think it might have sh I think it's Shovel. Shovel? Okay. I, I think uh, Google uh, autocorrected it for I me. prefer to think of it as Shovel. You can go for Shovel. Yeah. Whatever, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was leading a fleet of ships back after a successful mission in Gibraltar. Uh, this was in 1707, so he's sailing back to uh, Britain. Okay. Uh, and due to foggy weather and storms that plagued them for 12 days, they misjudged the location uh, relative to the Sicily Islands, and they crashed right into the Sicily Islands. Oh. So for 12 days, they pre pretty much were very poor at calculating their longitude. Yeah. They couldn't see what's all around them. And then uh, uh, Sir Admiral Cross was like, we're fine, though. We're, we're good. Just keep sailing straight ahead. Boom, they crashed. Uh, causing the deaths of 2,000 sailors. 2,000? 2,000. 2,000. So there's a bunch of boats. And they all of them just hitting the, hitting the islands? Like, yeah, they It's not even just one ship. They lost a fleet. <laughs> they lost the entire fleet. No, that's incompetent. That's level. That's incredible. Oh, you want to hear incompetent? Okay, I also, I'm not familiar enough with geography. How large are these islands? Like, uh, they, they don't seem like they'd be something that multiple ships would run into. In a very uh, short period of time. Like, if they're all traveling together. Yeah, I don't know how big the Sicily Islands are. But, yeah. Uh, a lot I of coastal regions, I guess. Yeah. And just big... I don't... Yeah, I got nothing. I assume so. I think... Uh, and also, you crash, I'm guessing, if you're on the coast. Just, you're just getting swept into the rocks as your mm, boat sinks. Yeah. As boat sinks, I guess they like they suck you in, too. They create that vortex. Okay. So you pull down with it. So a bunch of factors that killed them. Yeah, that's, that's awful. Um, and now the story goes uh, that a sailor aboard the ship, the flagship, the Association which is the, the ship that Sir Admiral was on. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Sir Admiral Classic. is not actually a... That's not a name. <laughs> I should have said Shovel or something. Yeah, that's fine. I, we get it. Very, I think we get what you're talking abstract. about. I did. I did. Uh, so a sailor aboard the flagship, the Association, was keeping track of their longitude throughout the storm by himself, which this is a forbidden act. This is a... <laughs> you, they're not allowed to. Only the captain is supposed to like keep track uh, of the, where the, the boat's position. Weird. Uh, so it's forbidden by who? Uh, I guess uh, like, the captain's ego. 
it was it's not like a like a british law it's like the captain is like i'm the only one who determines the yeah. longitude here yeah it's, it's forbidden on the boats for the the underminers to like uh be like i know where we are and so was this dude doing it voluntarily then or was he ordered to do it or he just he was like hey we're in the storm i think we're much closer to the islands than uh you think we are he was right he was he was right he was right <laughs> so showell being a stand-up guy had him hung from mutiny <laughs> did not listen to him jeez uh killed him yeah uh so the ships crash into the sicily islands uh only two men washed ashore one of them being showell and uh as it goes he uh was laying unconscious on the beach yeah when a woman walking along the shore found yeah. him and she uh, her his emerald ring caught her eye so she murdered him and took his ring and then on her deathbed she uh, confessed to the murder oh, what? now <laughs> what yeah <laughs> <laughs> this dude I, okay two people made it ashore one of them being him and he was immediately murdered for his emerald, for his emerald ring, ring because he was unconscious yeah now that being said again what a time to be alive is... i said i wanted to go back to this era two episodes ago <laughs> you did you did yeah I you did, don't want I... to be a young boy you don't want to be a sailor there's not a lot of jobs you would probably want to do here apparently not no no no, I'd rather be the emerald ring collector. <laughs> yeah, she lasted 30 years after stealing that ring. And then when she was dying, she's like, hey, by the way, I saw this ring. Remember that big ship crash 30 years ago? Yeah, I grabbed it. I grabbed the captain's ring, by the way. Um, but again, I don't know. Like you're wearing his ring. Everybody knows it's his ring. And he's like, yeah, I killed him. Like, you guys might have not figured out, but this is his ring. <laughs> we all knew, lady. We got it. I don't know how they knew about the whole sailor thing that the sailor like kept track and told him he was hung from mutiny i don't know like everyone died uh, so i don't know who kept the record of that oh by the way jeff totally told the captain that we were in the <laughs> spot he wrote it down really quickly before they crashed and then yeah, they stuck in the it. bottle and then they found it i don't know how that you have, i have to you have to imagine uh there's got to be some sort of paperwork if you kill one of your own crew mm-hmm. members mm-hmm. If, you just, if you sentence them to hanging there's got to be some judicial process right. you have to follow probably gets notated that way right and it would just be did the records get stored in any way I bet that's that's my best mm-hmm. guess to what happened, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm curious though, like, when was he hung from mutiny and when did they crash? Yeah, yeah. It, d- it does time? seem like it's like kind of more like a fun detail they added in, uh, just for like the the fans, you know, <laughs> just to keep the reader entertained. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds like a fun detail. Um. So now most sailors were done with the admiral, by the way, the Sir Admiral. Yeah, he's dead. Like, Hopefully, we're done with him. Uh, so most sailors use a method called running down a westing or running down the easting. Uh, when they would travel. Right, I forgot we were talking about longitude, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we are. Yeah. Uh, and that just means they just would get on the latitude of wherever they're going. Yeah, okay. So the the, the up and down height, the north and south, yeah. and then just go straight on that. And then, so they wouldn't really have to keep track of their that's, longitude. That seems like a They just know, move. okay, we're going to get straight. Which, it was still tough to keep how long you're traveling for, because I guess the boats don't have speedometers and stuff like that. Yeah, they don't got they don't clocks really know. or watches, yeah. apparently. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they did have watches, but the problem is they're very unreliable at sea. <laughs> they, they lost time all the, all oh, the time. Oh, like Temperature changes and like the bouncing of the water, everything. It was, it was awful. Oh, yeah. It was awful. Come a long way. Um, and as I said, they tracked the latitude by measuring the altitude of the sun at noon and using a table with rec- records of the sun's declination. Uh, for the days at each given latitude, uh, so they set a table and be like, okay, the sun's at this That's angle. Cool. We know we know what uh, the latitude is. Uh, and at night, when there's no sun, they could just follow the north star, uh, doing the same uh, uh, altitude adjustment thing, yeah. the position of the north star. However, it wasn't a flawless system because the north star isn't not 
it's not like perfectly above the North Pole. Oh. So if you knew what time it was, you could like make that adjustment, or yeah. you'd have to have a bunch of different measurements. Right. So they still needed some way to track their longitude. Uh, yeah, traveling just by latitude is not favorable, as the sun is not always in view. Uh, and it also limits the routes you could travel, because you can only go on this straight line. Right. So like, it took way longer to get anywhere. You can't take the fastest route. You can't just like follow the winds to get where you're going. You had to just stick on these latitude lines, which led to like a lot more people dying from like starvation and scurvy because they're running out of supplies or like, the ships are getting battered by storms. Right. Uh, so it's really not a good time. No. It's not a good terrible. time to be a sailor. All to figure out the longitude. Of the All to figure out the longitude. Good for them. So to determine the longitude, you might be wondering, you need to know the time at a fixed location, which is usually the home port of where you're leaving from. Okay. Uh, and the time on the ship. And then between, if you take the difference between those two times, you can calculate uh, your longitude. As I said, an hour is equal to 15 degrees. So once you, if you know the time at both positions, you can figure out how far you've traveled. Okay. How did we know? Did we know at the time that an hour was 15 degrees? Uh, they did know this, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. So uh, they'd be using it. Uh, I guess they'd have to have a clock for their home port, and then they'd set their clocks to noon whenever the sun was right above them. They'd set okay. the clock to that to keep track of their time. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, clocks were very uh, unreliable. They were losing track of time constantly. Uh, Galileo. Oh. Have you heard of that man? I have heard he, uh, of that man. He threw his hat in this ring trying oh, to figure out this whole launch tube problem. Good for him. He, uh, he developed a device called the Celatone, which was like a, a telescope mounted to a hat. Uh so it was like a kind of like those spy things like you know and like they had the 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 yeah as a telescope and he used that he said uh to monitor jupiter's moons uh he found out that like jupiter's moons are very like they are cyclic okay. so you can use that to track your time uh however jupiter is very far away yeah and uh you have to be very like stationary and stable to get it into your telescope view because it's such a small point uh so you're on a boat Right. going everywhere right. very hard to see the little tiny pinpoints of jupiter's moons and also uh clouds f foggy days yeah that'll you get can't you, you can't always see it yeah so galileo brilliant man he couldn't figure it out so, it's a very smart solution and very dumb solution at the same time yeah yeah it's yeah. crazy how they could like just figure this stuff out like of stuff super far away though like they're they had knew jupiter existed in the 1700s that's crazy yeah i mean even bef way before that but like they're measuring Jupiter's moon's rotation. Crazy. Simultaneously Crazy. letting kids clean chimneys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. So smart and also so dumb. Yeah. Duality man. Crazy. So there were two dominant methods that they were going to use to determine longitude. Okay, so we're past Galileo at this point. Yeah, he Everybody's... was in like the 1600s. Yeah, okay. We're getting into the, the 1700s. So we're in the 1700s now. There yeah. are some methods, but none of them are very good. No one is confident that they have a good estimate of the longitude of the Earth. Mm-hmm. And ships are crashing all the time, just banging into their destination. Right, right. People are dying. Yeah. People are dying of scurvy and starving because they can't take the quickest route. Yeah. It's a it's a bad time. They no, they gotta figure this out. So yeah. Someone's someone's gotta get on this. Someone's on this. We gotta get our best men on this. And I'm not gonna tell you what the best men first. I'm gonna tell you what some two really dumb methods <laughs> that they thought about. Okay. Uh, the wounded dog theory of 1687. <laughs> I love how. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's got a year. <laughs> uh, this theory was based around the powder of sympathy. That was discovered by Sir Kenelm Digby in southern France. And this powder supposedly had the power to heal at a distance. All you had to do was apply the powder to an article from the ailing person, and then the, their wound would be healed. Wow. Exceptional. So essentially, uh, you apply the powder to a bandage that was uh, out on their arm. So you take the bandage off their wound, yeah. apply the powder to it, then the wound on their arm heals. That's, that's exceptional. Incredible. That's exceptional. In incredible. 
uh, medical and we're application. we're going to use this to determine longitude. This thing is so good. <laughs> Instead of healing all the people who are going through medical ailments mm -hmm. right now, we're going to try to figure out the longitude of the Earth with it. Oh, we are. We are. It's even been said that he uh, made his patients jump by applying it to a knife that had been used for surgery or by dipping their... Uh, they're dressing into a solution filled with a powder. So the application to use this in the longitude problem was to bring a wounded dog on board and now have a trusted person on shore that would apply the powder to the dog's bandage every day at noon. And then on the boat, the dog would yelp and they'd know, okay, it's noon at home. Now we can set our clocks. That's exceptional. Uh, so there's two problems to this. Yeah, just two. Uh, just two. Just yeah. two. The first being that if this powder does work, that dog's wound is going to heal. So they have to continuously re-injure this dog. Yeah, no, that's only sensible. <laughs> for, yeah. for the entire voyage. Yeah, yeah. And number two, they're not certain on the distance that this powder works as magical oh, powder. Shame. They're going to be Absolute thousands shame. of nautical miles into the sea. Yeah, yeah. Might not reach that far. No, it really might not. So, I mean, it didn't pan out. I, really? if, it, if it did, I think we'd still be using the powder sympathy for a lot of reasons. It seems it seems promising. Are these the kind of people, like, do they just have a wounded dog in the first place? Or are they the kind of people to get a dog and then wound the dog to then take on the ship with them so they can run their tests? Uh, I think they would have wounded a dog specifically for yeah, taking on the yeah, boat. Yeah, just for this. Just yeah. so they test out their magic powder yeah. <laughs> to determine the law. I like, I like how that's the, like, they haven't figured out at all the properties of this powder. Like, they have no idea how far it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. But they're immediately willing to use it to solve a much larger issue. I mean, yeah, they're really looking for solutions to this longitude yeah, problem. They're yeah. looking ev everywhere. Apparently. Absolutely that's everywhere. Very cool. Uh, so it's another proposed method. Less dumb, but still, they didn't really think it all the way through. Sure. Uh, they wanted to use sound and light. So the idea was to have signal ships spread all the way across the ocean. And then so at the home port at noon, they're going to launch a firework into the sky. It's going to blow up. Then the ships in order, are gonna, when they see that, they're going to launch their own firework. <laughs> and then so the boats can determine their longitude based on whatever ship they're nearby that they see the firework arise from. Uh, and the guys were like who proposed this were like super into it. Like, they didn't see what the problem was. <laughs> and they're like, first of all, where are you going to find the thousands of men to go now sit on these <laughs> boats on in the ocean. middle of the ocean forever? <laughs> forever. Uh, they would have. They said obviously they're going to be immune from piracy. It's going to be illegal to mess with these boats. Oh, as long yeah. as it's illegal. It's that's illegal. The, yeah. yeah okay. No one else okay. can touch them. These okay. are going to be for everybody though. Everyone can use these boats. Um, then there's the issue of uh, anchoring the boats in the middle of the ocean. They, they didn't know how deep the ocean was. So they didn't know how, how long to make their anchors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, the ships are obviously going to get beat up. Yes. Getting men to agree to go out and sit on these boats. A worse job than they said than lighthouse keepers because these lighthouse keepers are on land. Right. These guys would be isolated for for who knows how long. Oh, this is awful. So that uh, solution also did not work out I can't well. believe that one didn't work. No, they did not I was rude put for that hundreds one, of ships across the sea as essentially buoys, launching <laughs> cannons. No. <laughs> of fireworks. However, the two men that did uh, propose this issue uh, decided that uh, they're, they're, this problem needs to be solved. So they went to the parliament, yeah, and this does. created the uh, the Board of Longitude. This was now formed in 1714. <laughs> the Board so, of Longitude. The Board of Longitude. So it's Things not, are getting official. Yeah. If a board has been established, this problem, I'm going to predict what, what year did this get formed. Uh, 1714. Within 50 years, they solve it. Okay, Calling so it. by 1764? Calling it. They, that's when they solve it. All right, longitude. you guys heard it here first. No yeah. takebacks. There's a board on this. Um, so because this was like such a big issue, they needed this for naval, naval navigation yeah. I and mean, transporting goods back and forth. They're exactly. like, okay, 
Not only are we going to form the board longitude, we're going to put a prize up. Wow. Wow. Yeah. The longitude prize. There's to no whoever way they can don't solve. solve this in 50 years. Uh, so there were three prizes available based on the degree of accuracy of the solution. Uh, so they got 10,000 pounds. That's a lot uh, of money. Which, uh, in 2020, that would be 1.5 million pounds. Holy cow. Uh, if you could determine uh, the longitude within 60 nautical miles, uh, that's 110 kilometers or 69 miles. Yeah. Uh, 15,000 pounds, $2.2 million. Uh, for 40 nautical miles, which is 74 kilometers or 46 miles. And 20,000 pounds, $3 million. Wow. If you could get it within 30 nautical miles, 56 kilometers or 35 miles. This is this is an absurd amount of money that they're offering. Huge money. That's how that's how big the problem was. 50, 50 years seems like super doable. Mm -hmm. Someone's gonna figure this out. Well, they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, the board also made smaller contributions to those who they felt were on the right track or had made significant progress towards solving the problem. These prizes were between two thousand and five thousand pounds. Wow, amazing. Still a ton of money. Yeah, that's awesome. So the two methods that became the forefront of the longitude solutions were chronometers, also known as clocks, and the lunar method, which is tracking the travel of the moon. Interesting. And now, after we've gone through all that introduction, yeah, we can get to the main character of our story. The main character. The main character, John Harrison. Wow. Yeah. Love him already. So John Longitude Harrison, which I mean, talk about a fucking prophecy. It's in his name already, and he's the man that solves it. He was born on March 24th, 1963. Wow. Uh, John was, he was a son, grandson, brother, and uncle Ooh. of Henry Harrison. Oh. So they all have the same name. Not, <laughs> not a very diverse uh, naming family they had. No, that's okay. Uh, and his mother, sister, both wives, daughter, and two out of three daughters-in-law were all named Elizabeth. Yeah. So his family was just John, yeah. a bunch of Henrys, and Elizabeths. <laughs> Um, his, one of his wife, Elizabeth died in 1726. Uh, he married a second Elizabeth in 1726, just replaced her, <laughs> found another one, the same name. Like, I'll take new, her new model. Yeah. I'll take her. Okay. Uh, his father was a woodworker and John spent many years alongside him in the shop. When he was six, he came down with smallpox and his father gave him a watch to keep him amused. And John just spent hours looking at this watch and here and listen to it and seeing how it works. <laughs> what a boring existence. Right? Right. There's a watch. To he could have been in a chimney. Entertained. How many? Oh man. How many kids could you give a watch to nowadays? And tell Not, them, like, none. Keep yourself busy none. for hours. They'd, they'd toss it away in minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So boring. Yeah. Uh, John made his first clock when he was 20 years old and became known for his accuracy and timekeeping. Uh, he was commissioned to make a turret clock. Turret clocks are like a Big Ben style. Okay. Big giant clocks. Uh, at Brocklesby Park in Lincolnshire, and that clock still works today. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, 300, 300 years ago. So this guy this guy making clocks at last. He's figuring out longitude, mm -hmm. and he likes people with the same name. He does. He does. Uh, I also am looking at my notes. And I have his birth date as March 24th, 1963. Oh. It was 1693, by the way. Oh, he, 1693. 1693, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, he was not born like 50 years ago. Yeah, I thought you might have said like 1663. And then I was trying to run the timeline with what I said for the 50 years thing. So if it's 1693, yeah. the 50 years prediction seems possible, but maybe just outside of it, I wonder. We'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, we haven't gotten, he's not even working on the problem yet. Yeah, no, he's solving um, clocks. So he builds that big clock in Lincolnshire, and like this guy, this guy knows what he's doing. Uh, the clock was made primarily of wood, 
and he made two significant inventions in clockmaking. Wow. One was called the gridiron pendulum, uh, and this is, consisted of brass and iron strips uh, that were welded together, and this negated thermal expansion and contraction. Oh, that's So the metals would change. Right. Uh, that's a big problem with the with traveling and losing time with that. Yeah, you were mentioning that with going on the ship. You can't just bring your watches and tell mm-hmm. what time it is easily. Uh, so he figured that out, as well as the grasshopper escarpment. Uh, and this is what controls the clock's driving power and its main function. Uh, and he used uh, a wood that produces its own oil as like a natural lubricant. So the clocks never had to be lubricated or anything. Wow. They worked frictionlessly wow. forever. And that's why that tower clock still works today. Wow. This he was, guy's he was a, a he was a legend. What a decision. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, so hearing of the longitude problem, Harrison became incredibly interested. A lot of money up for grabs. Yeah, yeah, A ton. Yeah. And he's got the mind to solve it. He's a genius, an absolute genius. I mean, he's from six years old, he loved watches. So you know he's got nothing else going on in his no, life. No, really nothing, yeah. Uh, in 1730, he designed a marine clock to compete for the prize. So he traveled to London uh, in search of a financial assistant to help build his clock. He spoke with an Edmund Haley. Have you ever heard of Haley's Comet? Yes. That's uh, This is him. No way. He's the guy that discovered the comet. Holy cow. Uh, who was the Astronomer Royale, which is a dope-ass title, uh, who turned him to George Graham, uh, which is the country's foremost clockmaker. Wow. Yeah. That's quite an honor to, for to the tippy-top of the clock world. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. Uh, and now Graham... He, he knows clocks. He was so impressed by the design that Harrison brought to him, he decided to fund the whole project. No way. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, it took Harrison five years to build his clock, and he called the clock H1. This would actually, if you want to do some Jamie stuff, you can look up these pictures of these clocks so you can help describe them. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so, just uh, look up, like, Harrison's clocks, because these are not, uh, probably not what you'd expect. Look up Harrison's clocks. Yeah, John Harrison's clocks. Okay. Um, so, he built his first clock, H1, and pre- he presented it to the Royal Society. Okay. Uh, who brought it to the Board of Longitude. Those don't look like clocks. Right. Yeah, those aren't. I'm. I'm gonna call it right, right. now. That that's not a clock, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Viewers, I uh, I implore you to go look at these clocks as well on Google when you get a chance. What the heck is this? I, how? Yeah, how? How are like? How are you going to describe this to anyone? I I can't describe it honestly. I tried to uh, going way back to that podcast where I talked about big timber. People did not like me describing what was happening. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not even gonna attempt it. No, no. Uh, there's no words. It's you have to see it. It's not... You know what? You, it it kind of looks like a clock. The face of it, it kind of looks like a clock. Yeah, if you picture what a clock looks like. Like, a, which one? Does it say which one that is? Is that one, two, That's or three? That's a marine chronometer. I don't know. He made... So he made three like that, and then the smaller, like, circular ones. This are, is John Harrison's H1. That's, a, that's H1. So that's, that's what we're H1. talking about right here. Okay. Uh, so he brought it to the board... The, he gave it to the Royal Society, and they brought it to the Board of Longitude. <laughs> now, since its inception in 1714... The board had never met. Wow. So they had a stipulation that they would only convene if five of the members determined that this idea had like some promise to it. Cool. So in the 22 years between Harrison's clock and its inception in 1714, they never had an idea come around that was like, this is good enough that we should be interested in it. So he was the first guy that got them to do a, a trial at sea uh, for testing his method. That's something. This is a, a big deal. Um, so the clock sailed to Lisbon with Captain Proctor and Captain Proctor, uh, was in charge of like writing the review of it. He was keeping okay. track of it. He was tracking like what his determinations of the longitude were yeah. right to the clocks. Uh, and then, so the cock, uh, got to Lisbon and Proctor died. Oh, didn't no. get to send his review in. 
Oh, too boy. late. So now the clock has to sail back on the return trip with the second captain. Yeah. Which seems to be a, a good thing because apparently on the way there the clock was working a little finicky, but on the way back, well, on the way back the clock was like flawless. It was so good, incredibly. The clock performed well and was accurate to the measurements made by the new captain. Whoa. So now we've got some promise and this longitude problem. No kidding. Harrison has uh, he's rippled the water. Yeah. 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 So the trial to earn the prize had to be transatlantic. Which uh, the travel to Lisbon was not. I don't know where Lisbon is. It's uh, Portugal. Portugal. Okay, so we went from Britain to Portugal. Not that far. Spain. One of those two. It's in it's, that it sounds like it's in Spain. Um, so Harrison began working on his H two. See if you can find a uh, find H two there. Yeah, find. Uh, yeah, and I'll describe this one as excellently as I described the H one. Um. So. What the heck is this? This yeah. isn't a clock. <laughs> So the board gave him 500 pounds. There's no clock that looks like this. No. no. Yeah, I see why he didn't call it a clock. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a chronometer. It, it's like a small dresser. Like yeah. Like a wardrobe. Like a small war- vertical wardrobe that's just metal. Okay. Yeah, and lots of... lots of. I mean, it's not wooden, by the way, anymore. These are all like brass and metal. Uh, yeah, no, this metal. looks like it's made of brass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's now he's got to make H2 with the fund of 500 pounds from the board. It took him three years to complete H2. Three years to make that, that thing? Three years, 1739, and then tested it for two years on land before he went back to the board. He's, this guy's got a lot of time on his hands they to got, test these things. Apparently so. everyone does. They just, back then, there's not a lot going on. <laughs> what do they on. do? You, you kill somebody for his ring? Yeah. <laughs> you hang your guy for saying you <laughs> might be wrong. There's nothing going on at all. Yeah. It's That's why the pyramids got built. There's nothing else to do in the you desert. Know, what are you going to do, fun. look at sand? Yeah, yeah, yeah for whatever. real. For real. What do you do? Um, so, however, due to an ongoing skirmish between Britain and Spain, the clock was deemed too important to send to sea, so they couldn't test it. Wow, they just didn't like he spent, So he spent five years on this, couldn't be tested, uh, and then after these five years, Harrison then noticed a flaw in his design and began work on H3. So the clock never went to sea after those five well, years. Well, I mean, it was flawed. It was flawed. So good thing flawed. that it never, it never happened. you think I if guess. you were so smart, you would have caught it before all that time. Yeah, probably, but you know, people can make mistakes. That's true. And he was granted another 500 pounds to work on H3. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, well, I want to see what H3 looks like. I do want to see what H3 looks like. I, I have a suspicion it's not going to look very clock-like. Okay, this is an H3 clock. So this looks... looks this like... is more similar to 2. It looks like the difference between his H1 and his H2, mm-hmm. there were notable design changes. This one looks pretty similar to H2. Uh, yeah. He did some bit more fancy on the front plate of it. Mm-hmm. So where you'd actually look at the time, he put like his name and made it look really nice. Yep. And uh, it looks a bit more like there's more gears in there. But otherwise, that's a, that's still like a wardrobe with a front plate on it to tell time. What a device. You can watch this thing in action on YouTube? Uh, yeah, they're all in a museum. I want to go to this museum. I want to see and see this. Yeah, holy cow. All stuff working. Yeah, the quest for longitude. I see. Interesting. Uh, so he's working on his third clock. It took him 17 years to build H3. What? How old is he at this point? Years. Um, it took him like five something years. 17. Okay, he was born in 1693. Yeah. He came up with the first idea in 1730, the design. So he's 27. So he's 27. Then. Five he's years. 37 then. Uh, yeah, 37. So it's 30 plus. Five years to build the first clock. Okay, 42. Uh. Then the next clock was finished by uh, 1742. Okay. Uh, so he's like 39 then? Yeah. And then 17 years Wait, after I that. I, I can't even math. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, no. Actually, math's the only thing we check here. We gotta, yeah, we gotta yeah. We right. have to get this correct. Uh, okay. Well, we can figure this out. 
Uh, okay, first clock, 1730. Uh, next 37. clock. Uh, yeah, it's 37 and 1730. Yeah. Clock two is done in 1741. So that's 11 years on top of that? Mm-hmm. So that would be 48. Okay. And then 17 years after that for so age three. So 65? Yeah, 65. Wow. Okay. So that's like a, that's like a life's work mm-hmm. to produce, to count, to mm-hmm. like climaxes in h3 yeah okay uh so he spent 17 years working on the third clock and after all the effort it was not as accurate as he had hoped oh damn yeah. oh, <laughs> did, did not pan man. out okay uh so the three clocks were massive clocks as we have described Huge. here the first weighed 75 pounds it was 75, 75 pounds. pounds i was thinking like a couple of pounds <laughs> yeah the pictures are don't even show how big they are actually. they really are like wardrobe yeah. size they're Holy like they're mounted in the boats. They're okay. not like a desk clock. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely yeah. thinking desk clock. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, the Seven... second clock was 86 pounds. Okay. The third clock, he got down to 60 pounds. Oh, good for him. He really shaved he, off he a lot of the nonsense. Yeah. That's 60 pounds, though. That's 60 pounds. Wow. I mean, I guess it's solid brass. Yeah, look how tiny it looks. It does look tiny. <laughs> it looks so tiny. Anybody who looks at something, they're going to see that it looks tiny. It looks tiny. It looks like a handheld thing. You put that on your bedside table and yeah. it'll wake you up in the morning. You look a little cool. 60 pounds. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, Absolutely wow. crazy. Um, so in 1752, uh, John Jeffries, another clockmaker, had gifted Harrison a pocket watch. Uh, that took some design features from uh, Harrison's marine clocks he was working on. Cool. Uh, the pocket watch, uh, had a, a compensation for temperature within it, wow. uh, which was very rare for something of that small size, uh, as well as frictionless motion built into it. Uh, but the most important ability it had was it could keep time while you're winding it up. So you had to wind Ooh. up the clocks every single day. Yeah. No, it stopped the time, but just, you could just keep going. Never lost track of time. Wow. So seeing all these features in this watch, John Harrison loved this watch. He, there are so many paintings of him with this watch. He, he, he loved it so much. He's like, you know what? I could make a marine watch just like this. Yeah. And he starts working on H4. Wow. Uh, is, yeah. is, if he, uh, he could like uh, call this pocket watch Elizabeth and Mary. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So he starts working on H4. He he's, working he's, on... he's at least 65 years old. And he's like inspired to do even more work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely bonkers. Um, so we're going to step away from John Harrison for a bit. Uh, the watch, H4 is a badass watch. Uh, but it's time to introduce the the villain. I'll say of this story. There's a vi- quotations. Okay. The uh, I thought he was the villain, but after doing my further research on this, it might be like uh, some biases from the author. I see. Uh, and that man is Neville Mescalin. Okay. Uh, so as I said a while ago, there are two methods for determining longitude: uh, clocks and lunar positions. Right. So Harrison's the clock man. Yes. Neville is the uh, the man who measures the heavens. You see the lunar method. <laughs> the moon, yeah. Uh, Mescaline was born in 1732, so he's much younger wow. than uh, Harrison. So Harrison's released H1 mm-hmm. before he was born. Just before, um, right? He had the designs for H1 in 1730, oh, so he's, he's he... working on building it, Got it. Okay. when uh, Mescaline was born. Right, right. Uh, and Mescaline became the fifth astronomer royale for the British. Uh, so the Edmund Haley, one. as I mentioned before, of Haley's comment, was the astronomer royale before him, I believe. Four, okay. Uh, so in 1760, Mescaline was chosen as the astronomer to observe the transit of Venus on the island of St. Helena. Uh, these measurements were important because they would allow the scientists to determine the distance from the Earth of the Earth from the Sun, uh, and this would give them an accurate scale of the the solar system. Right. So before they were just kind of guessing at what they know, and this is they could get some finite numbers here. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but as usual, bad weather prevented the observation, and there uh, is a wasted voyage. But not completely, uh, because due to this time, Mesklin was able to test a hypothesis he had of using the lunar transit to measure longitude. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so he created tables and a calculation that could compute the longitude from lunar positions in the sky. Cool. Uh, so the sun moves pretty quick. I think it moves like 13 degrees or something an hour across the sky. So it moves a lot more than these like small stars and stuff they're using before. Right. Um, so he suggested that each year the lunar distances could be uh, determined beforehand. Uh, and then they used at sea to determine longitude by sailors. Oh, very nice. So a much uh, simpler method yep. than uh, creating all these big ass watches yep. and clocks. Uh, in 1763, Mesklin was sent to Barbados to test three methods of determining longitude. So he's 31 and he's testing, he's working on the longitude yes. problem? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the first method was Harrison's watch, the H4. Uh, Tobias Myers was using the lunar tables method. And then there's another man, Christopher Irwin, who had this thing called the sea chair that was uh, measuring Jupiter's moons, as you mentioned from uh, Galileo. Galileo makes a return uh, okay so mesklin's kind of the judge of all three of these to see which one's working right so both harrison's watch and meyer's methods uh were found to produce results that were within the longitude act those uh within the those, bounds to get the pounds yeah the, the bounds to get the pounds i like that thank I like you that. uh the watch performed to within 10 miles which Woo. going back to what the uh it was like 40 nautical miles was first place or something yeah yeah, where, where do I get my prizes here? I was like 46 miles I don't know what something? the actual miles. Um, yeah, 35 miles was the best prize, and wow. he went to 10 miles. Wow. Uh, and the lunar method provided within 30 nautical miles. That's still solid. So they're both in first prize, but the clock just... Oh, that's, I mean, John Harrison. This is absolutely outperformed it. It's fourth edition John Harrison. Um, so in February of 1765, Mescalin was now appointed to the Board of Longitude. Uh, so he's now like one of the judges uh, due to the death of a man named Nathaniel Bliss. Oh. A surprising death. He had something important about him, but I decided not to write it down. That's Well, he was on the board of longitude. Yeah, he had some astronomy background and stuff like that. Yeah, It's got to be. Yeah. I, I figured with the prizes they're giving too, that it's got to be prestigious. And the mm -hmm. fact that they've decided we're not going to meet yeah. uh, unless you have something good enough for us, that's that's kind of screams high status. Very high status. people, so... Yeah, there's also a lot of details I'm leaving out of this uh, story. This is all just the best bits I could find. I can, I can imagine. I um, imagine it's not a, <laughs> the entire story. Yeah. Uh, so the commissioners felt that the lunar method and timekeeping method were complementary to one another. Okay. The lunar method could be much more easily rolled out because they just need these tables that they yes. could give to the, the sailors. Yeah. Uh, but the timekeeping method was like way more accurate. More precise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so this led to the creation of the nautical almanac, uh, which provided the lunar distances each year. Uh, and then the commission told Harrison that he had to prove that he could make another watch that was just as reliable. Right. And also that he could give this method to other watchmakers <laughs> so that other people could also make it. And it's not just totally reliant on him. Right. He's got to get some sort of patent. Uh, so Harrison was given 10,000 pounds and Mayer was given 3,000 pounds posthumously because he died uh, beforehand. Uh, and then the further 10,000 pounds will be given to Harrison upon the creation of his second watch. Oh, very uh, nice. The second watch being uh, after H4. So right. H4 was the watch, this pocket watch that you can uh, look that up as well. That, it, looks it looks much the most, more like a watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it yeah. looks like if I, if you just think of a pocket watch, you, you got it. But honestly, I'm a little, I'm think kind of suspicious that this isn't just like a wall clock. And this is... No, I want to... The dimensions were in the book, but it was like... Uh, I don't know, I want to say like eight inches or something across. It's pretty, it pretty big and kind of heavy. So it was, Matt, so it was, it was like a wall clock. For it was, yeah, it was probably like a two-hander. 
<laughs> who's putting it in their pocket? Yeah. <laughs> who's got eight inch pockets? Um, so after the two trial, the H4 had to run two trials. Okay. Uh, and both of them, the commissioners were like, uh, you know what? It was super accurate, but it, you got lucky. You're just super lucky about it. And Harrison's like, okay, whatever. Kind of like, unfair. He did it again. He replicated his design. Uh, and... not yet. So this oh, is just on okay. the H4 watch. I they see. Did, you're saying they did the two H4 tests design, of it. that's a stroke of luck. That's uh, why we need you the to The second it. test was the one that Mescaline, uh, judged with those other three methods. So oh, okay. a test before that, and then Mescaline did a test, second oh, test. Oh, so this was like you didn't fluke the test. Uh, but they said it was both. They both of them were luck. They're like it was so accurate, you were just you just got Fair? really lucky. Fair. Your watch just ha- watch just happened to. They're rigorous. Okay. So, the watch was now given to the Astronomer Royale, who happened to be Neville Mescaline. Convenient. Uh, to be tested long term. Uh, the previous two tests that proved incredibly accurate were chalked up to luck. So they had Mescaline test it over a long period of time. And after long-term testing, Mescaline left a negative review of the watch, claiming it lost or gained too much time each day. Oh, mm-hmm. what is so that? So this guy, who is very fond of the lunar method, right. is now the judge of his watch. And he comes back saying, you know what? kind of sucks, honestly. Oh. It's not great. Okay. Uh, so Harrison and his son, uh, who was also named... Actually, wasn't named, he was William Harrison. Wow, John Harrison John, and William huh? Harrison, yeah. I guess William was not his father. No, he came up with his own name. Good for you, John. <laughs> Good for you. Didn't follow John or Henry. Uh, so they accused Mescaline of bias against his timekeeping method, and the author of this book also repeated those claims, which is why I kind of called him the villain beforehand. Right. However, uh, Mescaline never submitted his own method or idea for the prize, so he was never competing for it. So it was never a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was. I mean, he was a fan of the lunar method more. Yeah. But he wasn't gaining anything. He wasn't going to gain, like, it. reputation if he, this became the dominant method? Yeah, yeah, he got nothing. He had nothing okay. for it. So okay. it's uh, it's up in the air whether he was, there was some, uh, some bias towards yeah, it. Yeah, you could see it being, it's one of those things where you need an expert to be on the judge on the panel here. Yeah. But the world of experts is so small that it's going to be unlikely that you're going to be able to find someone who's not associated with solve, trying to solve this problem in some way. Right. So uh, you kind of, kind of, like, kind of have to accept it for what it is. Exactly. And deal with, like, yeah, it might be a little conflict of interest but... They're in a position of power. Hopefully, they can uh, keep their mind in check and not allow yeah. the bias to sort of creep in. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So, while working on H five, so this is the second watch they wanted to make after H four to prove that he could make another reliable watch. Uh, Harrison felt he was getting a little ill used by the board. Oh. He thought they weren't they weren't treating him too kindly. No, his talents uh, and his prize was being withheld from him. What? You know, he's like, I made this accurate timekeeping device well within the bounds of the the act yeah where's my money and they're they're withholding it from him so he goes to the tippy top he goes to king george the third wow yeah he just straight to the king i don't know how he got a meeting with him honestly i guess that's how big a deal he was Uh, yeah Um, mass i mean you're the guy making watches apparently king george was like a big fan of science oh yeah he funded a lot of stuff okay uh for like the the royal observatory and stuff like that oh neat uh so he said okay you know what give me this fifth watch i'm gonna test it i'm gonna make sure you know see what's going on no no fishy business here uh, so the king tested it for 10 weeks and found that the watch was accurate to be within one third of a second every day. Holy cow. Yeah. That abs- definitely is not given and taken too much each no, day. No, not there. at all. That's okay? Not at all. Uh, so the king then told Harrison, hey, go back to the board uh, and like demand your prize. Like, yeah, absolutely. And if they don't, I'm coming. Yeah, I'm king coming George down III, there. I'm going to undress them myself. Chit-chat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Harrison goes back to parliament and parliament gives them uh, eight thousand seven hundred fifty pounds for his achievement, 
Uh, however, they never declared it as the official reward. And that's why they so, didn't give him the full amount? Uh, yes, yeah, so we got the 10000 before and the 8750 Okay. Um, which the official reward was never given out to anyone, ever. It, uh, it was never claimed. Oh, that sounds kind of bogus. Yeah. That sounds real yeah. bogus. Okay. Uh, so at this point, uh, he was 80 years old. Yeah, holy. Um, and so he got his money at 80 years old, and he died three years later uh, at 83. Oh. So in his life, he earned 23,065 pounds, uh, which if you break that up over his lifetime, it, it comes to about an income of 450,000 pounds per year uh, in our money. That seems uh, a, great. He made a good living. I would like to live like that. Uh, yeah, and he became a, a multimillionaire in his last decade of life. Yeah, okay. Um, however, that income, the 450,000 uh, pounds, does not include all the materials and like hiring people, all the costs. So that is that's I net. See. I see. It's not, it's not just profit. That's a, this is pre... This is, yeah. He, okay. had, he had to pay for all his own stuff. Right. And that, uh, who knows how much that costed. Well, um, I used to build a 60-pound wardrobe watch. Yeah. That probably isn't cheap mm-hmm. i'm gonna guess oh absolutely yeah. not okay um so james cook have you heard of james cook the yeah famous sailor the cook islands yes he personally sailed with a watch that was called k1 and k1 was a successor to h4 so this is after he gave up his plans mm-hmm. uh they had other watchmakers make it yeah uh so some guy with the last name starting with k i didn't write it down Carison, uh, hopefully Carison. okay really, yeah, yeah so Carison one uh a successor to h4 based on harrison's design uh and James Cook personally said, hey, this watch way better than the Lunar Method. And James wow. Cook, he's a celebrity. That's he's a, got a big, that's a big yeah. endorsement. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. a, a big get. A Holy big get. Cow. The first influencer. The main problem with the, the watch method is that the watches were, like, very expensive. They would essentially cost, early on, about the price of a third of a ship. So, <laughs> yeah. Boy. That, you crazy. know what? Now, he definitely spent a lot of his money building these things. Yeah. That's how much that costs? Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. Which I also like, I guess, the, the time and the and the cost of the money. Like, 17 years for that H3. Yeah. I don't really know. I guess it probably said somewhere how long it took for H4, but yeah, crazy amount of time. Uh, the cost eventually went down to about 25 to 100 pounds. Uh, but in reference, that is still about half a year to two years salary for a, a skilled worker back then. Wow. 25 pounds. Yeah? 25 okay. pounds, half a year. Yeah. Okay. So You got to find stuff to help you navigate, though. And longitude seems very important. It is very important. It's so. very important. And then, like everything, just as more people got access to it, price just went down and down and down. Right. And then by the 19th century, chronometers had overtaken the lunar distance method as the price continued to drop. This is the, so the mid-1800s or so? By the 1800s? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 1800s. Everyone's on clocks. Right. They're ditching the, the moon, doing all this math and stuff that you got to do right. on the deck of the boat. That's no one wants to do Steam that. Steamships are more popular at this point or starting to become uh, uh, Or is sure. this like later on? I don't know. I think it would be a bit later on, probably. Know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and then after that, the only stuff I've written down uh, is through the 18th century, the prime meridian, which was zero as you determined of longitude, was determined by independent countries in Europe. Uh, usually, they go through the their capital, which is what they use for their zero point. Okay. So, there was the Paris meridian, the Berlin meridian, the Copenhagen meridian, and the Greenwich meridian. Right. Uh, after Neville Mescalin, our famous villain... Uh, published his lunar charts using the Greenwich Meridian. Uh, they were so useful that everyone kind of like had to go to adapt because all his calculations were based on the Greenwich Meridian. Right. Uh, in 1844, 22 countries voted to adopt the Greenwich Meridian, uh, with the exception of France, who like were Very like, hey, French. maybe we can use like a middle point between France and uh, of Greenwich. Course. Of course. Uh, but no one wanted to do that. So Paris <laughs> yeah. alone, uh, France alone used Paris until 1911. <laughs> they didn't want to update. 
And then today, as I said, everyone uses the Greenwich Meridian, which runs right through the uh, the observatory where the Astronomer Royale oh, works. Okay. Uh, and we use Greenwich Mean Time to calculate time, all based on the work of John Harrison and, I guess, some work from Neville Musculin. Yeah, because he's the one who really popularized the, yeah. the GMT stuff. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And that is the story of the discovery of longitude and watches. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it seems at like. At the same time. Yeah, this yeah. guy's making innovation in watches. Which just also happened to be very useful for longitude. For, yeah, for tracking off all your travel. That was, I mean, that was a super inter- interesting book I read. Hopefully you guys uh, took that history. A little more lighthearted and more ingen- ingenuity than uh, Yeah, we, we started off with the same amount of death, it seemed like. But uh, that's where greatness comes from. A different, a different age group, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you could still be great without a lot of death. And remember, you at were, the same time, children were still climbing in chimneys during all of this. The most recent podcast episode where you, you're just starting to learn about Mao and the Great Leap Forward. Yeah, I'm excited to read those books. I didn't realize how recent Mao was. A lot of death in those great Oh, I years. bet. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. I also got uh, on my list of uh, the Gulag Archipelago, oh, which is yeah. all about uh, Stalin and just yes. sticking people in the Gulag. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of darkness in our recent history. Tons. I've already read the Cambodia about the, the Khmer Rouge and Pol Pot. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, history's not great. No, it's not. But this this bit of history seems kind of great. This seems like human achievement that we were bungling things for a while, mm-hmm. not knowing what uh, where we were in the earth. And uh, you make some better watches, and all of a sudden you got it. And then you've got this committee, this board of longitude, mm-hmm. who decides that they'll offer huge prizes and then not pay them. That's great. <laughs> uh, and they won't even see you. <laughs> you have an idea for them. Like, uh it's probably going to be bad, so they're just immediately not going to consider you. Yeah, apparently they got like hundreds of like just trash. Like everyone and their kids were just sending in email, not emails, just like letters. Yeah. <laughs> they're emailing them, you're sending them letters. Them yeah, and they're like, "There's just so much garbage." Like, oh my god, we can't. No deal kidding. With it. I mean, you're offering that much money. That's going to change almost everyone's life yeah. at that point. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm. I imagine everyone's going to get on that, even for some fun. Because mm-hmm. it's the same reason you buy a lottery ticket, right? How much effort it would be really to come up with a crappy design and then. That's true. Send it in because, like, you're probably wrong, but you're willing to take the what in the one in a million. I'm right. My life's like changed for good forever Mm -hmm. now. So, yeah, I I don't blame all the people. So that makes a ton of sense why they (laughs) they got to do a lot of sifting before they even see you because they're probably gonna get a lot of nonsense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but still, a little kind of BS. They never gave out the official prize. Yeah, I think that's that's ridiculous. They did give out like I guess John Harrison did get the money equivalent. Uh, of the prize, he got over the twenty thousand. He got twenty three thousand in his lifetime, but uh, I think uh, he really wanted like the stamp that uh, like I completed. Right, I solved that's presumably it. what he was working. He, he wanted the title. Yeah, yeah he wanted he to be the man to be that solved it. For what he contributed. Which I mean, he is like I think uh, in the in the watch community, John Harrison is a he's a big deal. Right, he's a big right. name. Well, that's I mean, but that's like something he won't kind of live he, he, to no, see. No, no, he, he wanted he wanted, he wanted that, that recognition in his lifetime mm-hmm. of like yeah, he and his son was fighting for him. Yeah. Even the king was on his side, and he still didn't. King George the Third. Yeah, I I was thinking one reason why he may have gotten an audience was because the king sympathized with the naming traditions in his family. Oh yeah, he's King George the Third at that point. There, there's not like a lot of names floating around in the royalty. He probably sees a little something in John Harrison and all the other John Harrisons he's probably met that day as well. So maybe that's how he got into him, just like a kinship. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Well, I think we should. uh... And this section, because we got to get you out of here in 10 minutes. Maybe yeah, we, we, we stop can. our outro. Let's do that. Well, I guess I've got to stop this recording now. So do you have any final words? I uh, hope you enjoyed. Do, 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 musical interlude. <laughs> and we're back.
Oh yeah, just like that. Right, we're back. Actually, okay. I don't know what. Do I have to count it down? You or don't have the... to count it down. I can just take the clap and I'll hear it on both mics. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Well, I I feel like it helped the procedure to do the countdown. It does. I'm counting just fun. It's a little more heard that like three, two, one method of like if you ever want to do stuff that you like count down from three and like it like motivates you to do something. No, like um, yourself. It's like a psychology thing. Yeah. Okay. They say if you ever like have if you have difficulty starting things, like you got a long list of things to do. Yeah. But like just starting the first one, they say uh, just count down from three and like because that counting's easy. Then three, two, one, and then you go do it. Okay. Like it makes it easier. Do you? Has you have you tried that in your life? Never done it. Yeah. No. Never done it. (laughs) You've got the tidbit ready to go. Yeah. You should try it and let us know how you find it. Ah, goddamn. It's just work, more work, and have to do things. (laughs) So, because I've I've seen it used in the context say of like bungee jumping when someone is scared to Mm -hmm. jump off the bridge they'll typically say okay we're gonna we're gonna do like a countdown of three and then we'll get you off and typically it's like we'll take three steps and the fourth step you go like three two one step Step. and that four step that's when you're supposed to fall off right but they set it so that when you close your eyes you take one step three you're on you take second step you're off the bridge oh, and so they yeah. use that as like a this because they know i think presumably when people are scared that counting down from three they're not going to go when you end three right so maybe maybe it has to be self-initiated but i at least know from from the context of bungee jumping when it's initiated by other people they have to like fool you into the, the three to one gives that sense of security and they violate that immediately <laughs> with your second step so which is just really funny if you've not seen any videos of people doing that it's great i don't think i've seen that i've seen like the, the roller coaster thing where like they're gonna launch it or, like the ride with like they blast them in the air like okay we're going on three and they go one oh yeah yeah that's people great. love doing that so. or the ones where they like uh they like throw a screw like oh shit that's not supposed to happen then they launch them that's funny i've never out. seen that that's that. really funny yeah. so oh that would definitely get me out there yeah yeah, but like, uh, I don't know, some pseudo, it could have been some pseudoscience thing. I, I saw on YouTube one of those guys, the three, two, one method. Oh, but yeah. uh, I've seen it prop up a few times. It's definitely worth just like trying in your own life. Yeah. Because who knows? It doesn't have to necessarily get uh, demonstrated empirically across right. a population in order for it to be true for you. Right. So, right. yeah, something worth trying. Um, so, I don't think we're going to hit all the topics. I can always save some things uh, from that laptop. But the one thing I did talk about was this uh, podcast session of Mr. Beast. It kind of it kind of changed my my idea okay. of my YouTube channel. Okay. So Mr. Beast was on uh, Joe Rogan like two or three days ago. So who is Mr. Beast? Mr. Beast is the biggest YouTuber on YouTube. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> That's quite a title. Uh, he's got like I think between all his channels like two hundred million subs or something. Holy he's cow. absolutely massive. He is massive. He did that uh Squid Game in real life thing. A very neat. That's got like two hundred twenty million views or something. Yeah. Wow. He's just known for his like big grandiose cool uh, things, and he uh he kind of I guess he's the guy that kind of like figured out how to make things go viral nice he's like that's what he's known for cool uh so he was just talking a lot about that stuff and i was listening and thinking about my channel and i think i'm gonna change the approach i've been doing which i've kind of like teased this before uh like taking a break on content and yeah. stuff and i think i'm just gonna completely revamp my schedule of what i'm doing whoa so right now we've got mondays uh mondays and thursdays doing the the gaming wednesdays are painting fridays we're doing a podcast saturdays are kind of like live action shorts and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, it's just a bit off way more than I could do. It's, uh, it's not giving me the time that I want to be able to put into each video. Uh, I'm a very uh, lazy person and okay. I'm a procrastinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as soon as I figure out I have to do something, I no longer, I want. I don't want to do it anymore. I like, <laughs> I, I want to put it off. Right. So I'm like, I, I have this, we filmed some stuff uh, last weekend for a sketch I want to do. Yeah. And like, I really want to edit that. But due to my schedule, I'm like, okay, Mondays, I go work on a gaming video. Tuesdays, I go work on a pr- uh, painting video. Wednesdays, I go do the podcast. I'm like forcing myself to do all these different things. Yes. And I've now created, it's now a job for me. Right. So I'm not working on what I want to work on, when I want to work on it. 
I'm just being like, okay, well, I have to make this video, whatever. Right. I'll just slap it up and put it out. Yep. And it's, uh, I'm just not making the content I want to make. I'm, uh, I think I'm hindering myself yep. by not giving myself the time I want. Okay. So I think my new idea going forward is uh, Fridays are going to say the podcast. Fridays are always going to be, that's no problem. I enjoy it in the podcast. It doesn't take a ton of work, like post-processing. It's like change the voice a little bit. I don't have to do the sound effects and music and shit that I was just messing around with last week. Right. Uh, but then as ter in terms of the other videos, I think I'm just going to do, I'll guarantee you one video a week. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of doing like alternate gaming video one week, painting video the next week, and just flip back and forth on Wednesdays. So I can put like a week's worth of time, I guess two weeks of time into each video. Right. Really edit it, make them unique, make right. them that you watch them. Because editing, I think I enjoy editing the most. Making those like intros and stuff that I did for the podcast, making the little intros I do for all my segments, those are probably the most fun I have doing. And those weren't made because like I had a deadline to hit. They're makes and it's like, well, I got to, I got time to kill. What do I, what do I want to do? Right. And I just threw them together and had a blast doing them. Okay. So I'm like, I want to put that same fun and like creative energy and like figuring out how to make these things happen, how to make my ideas happen in the videos. Yep. I want to put that kind of effort into this so that when you watch the videos, like, oh, Aaron edited this video. This is Aaron's video. Not just because my face is in it right. and because of my voice, but because like just the editing style and like getting my sense of humor into the edits and stuff like that. And I mean, I thought that having like a routine schedule and rigid, like new people will find it and be like, oh, he's putting up videos every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm always going to see his stuff. But if it's like subpar stuff, you know, I think uh, better is better than more. Making better stuff, some like quality over quantity mm -hmm. is, is better. I think that's a better method. So I think if I just spend more time making better videos, I was afraid that not having enough content up would like people lose interest and they wouldn't want to watch it because they forget about it. But now my thought process is if I make really good videos, then I'd be like, oh man, I can't wait for his next video now. Like I'm excited. Uh, this painting video was great. I, I got to wait two weeks again for his next video. Man, that sucks. But maybe I'll watch this gaming video that he's going to put out because I know it's Aaron and it's his editing style. Mm -hmm. People get excited about my content again mm -hmm. rather than just like shoveling stuff out and just like... Right pushing out the door when I'm not really happy with it. Yeah. Uh, so that was a, kind of Mr. Beast talked was like, just spend more time on your stuff and make more quality stuff. Even if you make less videos, you get like having one video blow up and be huge. It's way better than have a bunch of videos doing like, okay. Uh, so that kind of like changed my whole perspective. So going forward tonight, actually, uh, I thought of a little like update video I was going to post on the channel. And I was thinking I had, uh, I think I'm going to make a song. I'm gonna play guitar and sing a song. Amazing. I, I wrote out the script, the the lyrics and stuff for early before this podcast. So I'm gonna play around with that tonight and sing a little song. So you should, it should already be up by the time you guys hear this podcast. Cool. Hoping to get it up by tonight, Wednesday night. Uh, and I was like super excited and I'm gonna have a lot of fun doing that. So I'm trying to get back to like having fun, uh, making YouTube videos and like I want that to be what people come like. Oh, Aaron had a lot of fun making this. And then they have a lot of fun watching it, rather than just oh, Aaron just made this because it, it was his schedule. Right. He made it because he had to. A return to the passion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's great advice. I've seen some people talk about there's no point in producing a ton of videos if no one's watching your stuff. Because mm -hmm. uh, the producing just a ton of videos, if no one's really clicking on it, is not going to likely lead to any sort of blow up. Yeah. Like, uh, and so you probably want to be spending the time producing fewer, but video, like higher quality videos. Yeah. And I think like, uh, at least the mantra we're using with Lose on Drugs, which I, I I would forward to anyone, is like produce stuff for you that you really like, that you want to watch, 
And if that's the if that's the criteria that every video is meeting, then there's no way you're going to be dissatisfied with what you're outputting. Yeah. It, videos might not do as well as you want them to do, but you'll never look at it and say like, well, it's because of the video. Because if you're satisfied with where the videos are at, then so be it. Like, sort right. of accept any, the view number is the view number at that point. I think, and ultimately you're going to be a lot more uh, filled with passion and motivated to put the work in to whatever vision that you want to manifest or create in the videos. And uh, I look forward to kind of seeing what videos get produced now. Yeah, I think uh, I've had like a bunch of ideas for my videos, but it's just on that time constraint to put on myself, I never got time to execute it. So yeah. I was like, I was just like, you know. Now, do you think like that rigid scheduling, was that an attempt to make it feel like you were doing something with your days? I think so. So I wanted to be like, this is my job. I have to be doing something every day. So I wanted to schedule something for myself every day. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, this is why I hated having a job. I hated having something scheduled every day. Yeah. That's exactly what I was trying to get away from. Right. And you just applied it to YouTube. And yeah. uh, and then I just got comfortable with that schedule. Right. Which uh, once you get comfortable, that's a bad, you don't want to be comfortable. No. I want to be like, okay, how do I figure this video out? What do I got to do? And like be, you know, if even I'm up late at night trying to like get this video perfect, I'd rather do that than being like, okay, well, I yeah. guess it's Tuesday, put out this painting video. Yeah, because that's what, presumably what you want to be doing mm -hmm. is like spending your time thinking about these things and solving them and producing content that you love. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think come the future, I mean, you guys would have noticed right now that there's no, there's no painting video this week, which is because like I got a video, I got an idea I want to do for this to make it unique and make it me. That's going to take time. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that time. Hopefully get it up next week. Uh, yeah, I am gonna finish the uh, the Resident Evil series. I'm gonna finish that out on Mondays and Thursdays because those aren't we're pretty much close to the end there. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna finish that out, and then uh, when that series is done, kind of take a, a look at how I want to do gaming videos in the future. Mm. See what I want to do to make it a uh, put the Aaron stamp on it. What can I do to make that unique and make that me? Right. Rather than just uh, it's me. That seems like a good approach, and I think not just like say quitting cold turkey and mm -hmm. switching and still keeping the Resident Evils finishing the way you want them to, will give you a little bit of that transition period. And so you, it might be nice to sort of test the waters of, well, what does it look like to have a bit of schedule for mm -hmm. some things, but then also a lot of free time uh, to do work work on projects where you're not certain when they're going to be released on. Right. So, and that cut maybe covers both grounds of like, yeah, I can still produce content in a semi-regular basis. So I'm not like... You could imagine you find yourself in your room coming with a whole bunch of ideas and doing parts of them, but never finishing one or never like calling it and saying like, this is the finished product of a video. Let's get it out there yeah. without any sort of push to be like, you have to release something. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's some benefit to like release something like you're going to stop, stop changing the smallest things over and over again in a video. Just get it out there. Yeah. At that point, you're not doing anything for the video. So having a little schedule to push you there, but not enough that you're just regimented your entire week. And that every day is focusing on getting this video done so I can release it tomorrow. Yeah. And your your decision making then becomes so focused around how can I just get the product to a good enough standpoint to get it out? Because the goal is releasing. It's not what is the best piece of content that I can make within this like longer time frame. Right. So that's, that's a cool goal. I think, uh, I think it's going to be sweet to see where it takes you with the channel. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully it inspires me to follow these bigger ideas. Uh, and like I said, so Wednesdays, videos will start coming out. Uh, Wednesdays and podcasts on Fridays. But that doesn't mean I can't upload more videos. I think that's the that's the key. It's like I can always, if I have two videos I'm really excited about, I can just put those out. So I'm just going to under-promise, over-deliver sometimes. Yeah. I'll, I'll surprise you guys with some extra videos, I'm sure, at some points. But uh, yeah, so look forward to that in the future. Uh, hopefully this, uh, this little song I wrote is going to be fun. I've never performed music before or played guitar for anyone. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's going to take a lot of practice. 
Oh yeah, you, you're gonna have a lot of takes. I, I haven't written the chords and stuff yet either. No so way. I gotta, I'm just gonna be. It's gonna be a four chord song. It's gonna be yeah, very, very it's simple. Be. It's gotta be. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. I was having on my walk today. I was like, I was thinking about like the lyrics and stuff. I was like, oh, this is gonna be a lot of fun. Cool. Like, I'm gonna enjoy this. That's good. And that yeah. that sort of pa- that's the passion that you want. Yeah. To be feeling to. Do yeah, I want to be excited about ideas and not like, oh shit, it's Tuesday. I gotta make a painting. You've got to do a video. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like it's defeating yeah. the purpose so of what you're I doing. So I think uh, I think that's gonna be a, a benefit, and then probably it'll make me some content that I feel better sharing out with the the public. Because none of the stuff right now, I'm like, I want to put this out and see what people think of it. Because I'm not even like super stoked about what it is. Fair. So how am I going to yep. give to other people if yep. I can kind of like already anticipate what the their criticisms are? Because I probably have the same ones. Yeah. So I'm making some content and then uh, hop on that small YouTuber subreddit. Small YouTube find the subreddit. Lead, you, the leaderboards with you guys. Yeah, that'd be great. Join us up there. Yeah. We're climbing back up to second place on there. Hell yeah. We're solid third. Yeah, no, that um, that that would be a good mantra for your for your channel and moving forward. And yeah, like get the um, because you're you're similar in a similar boat as me. Self promotion is weird. I don't like. like it. I, I it's weird to just be like, hey, check out my shit. It's like, um, I I like. People who do that, I tend to not like their stuff. Yeah, it feels like I'm begging or something, or yes, like I feel, I feel right? bad. Right, and so the, there's like having a product that you're proud of helps a lot. With yeah, that. and so if you can be like, I like this, see what you think of it. It's a lot easier to do it rather than be like, I I would kind of doubt this stuff. What do you think? Like mm-hmm. then you're like, it's much hard, even harder, I think, to approach someone with content that you're like fully behind. So getting the getting able to do being able to do that. Or you can just be like, check out my stuff. I think it's sweet. And you you might disagree, but that's fine with me. It doesn't matter. I I think it's great. Um, that'll probably help the self-promotion thing. I think a lot. so. And, yeah, I think so. I'll be neat to see you do that too. Hell yeah. I'm stoked. It's going to be a good good change. A strong mm-hmm. change. Other than that, I, I don't know if I have anything else to add to this podcast. I got stuff to add to this podcast, but I think we're long enough at this point. Yeah. We we're are, going we on have, an hour and a half. We have traveled. We, just like the people trying to figure out longitude, we have gone the distance. Yeah. And uh, I can't even tell you how far we are into this recording. Uh, 91 minutes. This is what this yeah, is. Yeah, we're already an hour and a half. Stick the intro and outro longest on that. Longest podcast you've recorded? It's the is longest it? podcast. It? Well, it's been an absolute Which, uh, honor Let me to be know if this is, if this was too long, though, too. I'm always worried if, uh, you know, if they say podcast should be like 20 to 40 minutes. Uh, so I don't know if an hour and a half is too much. Should we uh, try and shorten these things or whatever? I guess you'll find out through the retention rate. Uh, how yeah. long are people listening? That's true. That's true. I'll check that out. They listen the See, whole time. The, the whole intro time. was very different from what the the meat and potatoes was. Extremely different, which is kind of so cool. That's, like, a, that's what I like that's, to do. That's kind of neat. Like a little bit for everybody. Flavor. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. intro is kind of fun stories. The inner is like the the interesting stuff. The outro is where we get the the self help. I guess that covers all my bases: self help, personal stories, and comedy. We, we hit it all. That's excellent. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Ethan, for joining me once again. Always happy to be here. Uh, if you have anything else to add, say to the people. Anything promotion-wise you want to say? Uh, no, other than if you've not had the pleasure and honor of seeing any of the Losers on Drugs content, then you might want to check it out because we think it's extremely funny. And it's it great to have you join in it for is. like a lot of the episodes. Always a pleasure to be so on there. And check so, out um, Pop Electric. Very, <laughs> very Pop unique. Electric's Dark Dance. Very unique. We cross-dress in that episode, we do. both of we us. We do. Um, see if you can spot us. You probably can't. We, we, our makeup department did yeah. such a good job. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to have bring some joy into your life and some laughter in relatively short and easy to digest, but also masterfully artful videos, check out Losers on Drugs. Oh, yeah. And with that, Aaron out. And I'm so, I, should, I should have been more prepared to click the stop. Hey. 
you did a great job listening to this podcast, and I really think you're going to do a great job again next week. So be sure to tune in to Air and Air Out every Friday on Spotify, Google, and Apple. Also, find me on YouTube at Aaron the Brock. Take it easy, folks. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed your stay. Now take what you learned and have a great day. Damn, it feels good to air out.